from app.com, it's time to talk college hoops in the Garden State. Welcome to Jersey Jump Shot. That's right, it's time for another episode of Jersey Jump Shot from the Asbury Park Press and USA Today Network, New Jersey. Thank you for listening. Ryan Ross here with Jerry Carino, Steve Edelson, and Chris Eisman. Episode three of the young season, and uh, I guess a little bit of stability this week. All the games we thought were going to happen did happen, and all the games that we kind of figured wouldn't happen still didn't happen. Uh, we'll get more into that in that in this episode. Right off the top, though, let's start with Jerry. You're a top 25 voter. How are things looking for the week? Not much movement this week. Uh, like you said, a lot of stability, nothing crazy. Of course, the biggest game in college basketball didn't happen. Number one, Gonzaga versus number two, Baylor. Game got scratched because Gonzaga got COVID in the program. And uh, some more of those issues might be plaguing us this week. We'll talk about that. Uh, Rutgers was 24 in the poll last week. They're number 22 on my ballot. Got to get Kentucky out. They're awful. Kentucky's one and three. They're losing to everybody. They're in the, they were in the poll last week, which was a joke, solely on reputation. This happens every year with Kentucky. Look, they don't always start one and three, but they're always vastly overrated, and uh, they have no business being anywhere near the pole. Rutgers will be 22 in my ballot. They'll probably hold it 24. They didn't play, so they might drop out, out of sight, out of mind. We'll find out. And that's right. Rutgers did not play. Uh, We talked in the last episode that they have this long layoff as they get ready to play Syracuse Tuesday night. Uh, We thought maybe they would try to schedule a game. Maybe they wouldn't. Well, they ended up not playing, and now we have the Scarlet Knights uh, getting ready to take on Syracuse and a team that uh, in the orange, that is, with some COVID issues. So certainly something Rutgers doesn't want to hear for their upcoming game, especially when they've had a layoff like this. Yeah, there's two parts to this story aside from the actual game itself, which is the first part we'll address now, and that is Syracuse last week played Niagara, and... They had a COVID uh, positive test that they didn't inform Niagara about until moments before tip-off. Greg Paul found out in warm-ups that they had the positive test. I mean, that's ridiculous. I mean, that's that's really shady. That's classic shady Jim Beheim. The guy is the worst when it comes to this stuff. Um, you know, Syracuse is a history of of, uh, of 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 stuff behind the scenes that makes you scratch your head, and this is just the latest. Uh, and if I was Rutgers, you know, I would be mildly concerned going into this game about what am I going to catch from this team? Now, Syracuse played Ryder on Saturday and, you know, they they just kind of carried on. They had a COVID positive. They did contract tracing. They isolated some of their players, including Buddy Beheim, the leading scorer, Jim's son. And they just kind of carried on. So, like, what what rules are we operating under here? What is you know what does Rutgers have to do to protect itself, Steve? I'd be a little nervous if I was Rutgers and their players going into this game. Absolutely, and you saw that they are nervous in that they didn't schedule a game to lead up to this. Um, it, it really is kind of scary when you look at. I, I counted on Saturday, twenty-five games were postponed out of the out of the lineup. I mean, that's unbelievable. You look at, you know, Mammoth hasn't played a game yet, but that's, that's throughout the college basketball. Now. I mean, you look in, in the big East, DePaul hasn't played a game. Temple hasn't played a game. Uh, you look in the NEC, Wagner hasn't played a game. LIU SEC, Tennessee has not played a game. San Diego hasn't played a game. So this is a national problem right now. So Rutgers as the host, 
uh, and also a, a school that has does its own COVID testing. They they'll Rutgers will you know they'll take the precautions they have to make sure that everybody's in the clear today. But would would you trust Jim Beheim with your health? I wouldn't. I wouldn't trust him at all. You know, that's the thing, Jerry. I think that this season is going to require so many teams to, to take the right precautions and do the right thing. And, and when you do something like Syracuse, it totally undermines any future opponent's ability to trust what they're doing and trust that they're going to stay healthy. It's really a shame, and it's unfortunate that, that Jim Beheim did that, especially, you know, they had their own problems previously. He was out for a couple of weeks because he had COVID. Um, so they've had their issues, and they need to they need to act a lot more diligently with this and, and be more transparent about it. It's just not fair to the teams that they have to play. And this is the problem with non-conference scheduling is because these these conferences have different rules. Like there's not once we get into conference play starting next week, all the Big Ten teams the Rutgers is going to face, they're all going to be operating under the same rules. Right now, there are oper- different leagues have different rules, the different ways they're applying the NCAA's guideline, which is a 14-day, you know, quarantine for the team, and uh, you know, sit-out period for the team. And of course, that's also complicated. Complicated because the CDC has reduced the quarantine time to ten days since that came out. So the NCA should probably follow suit, right? I mean, if it's good enough for the CDC, it should be good enough for the NCA. But what's happening is the NCA is weak, and everybody's kind of doing their own thing. Syracuse is carrying on with COVID tests, and you know, with positive COVID tests, and you know, Rutgers is going to keep his fingers crossed. It's just exactly. bizarre. And the other, the other thing about this game, on the flip side of it, that also is like an issue is that. You know, Rutgers hasn't played a game now, and in, in, in it's going to be nine, ten days. So that's also on you, very unusual. And then they don't have another game for six days after this. And then they don't have another game for six days after that. So Rutgers has sort of declined to to schedule non-conference games here after rolling through those three, you know, inferior opponents, which Steve, you know, Steve thought we talked last week. Steve and I debated. He thinks it's a good idea. Stay safe, stay healthy, do your damage later. I wonder if is if you're leaving three non-conference dates on the table, you're only going to play four out of seven games. Are you doing a disservice to a team that has this much ability and could really, you know, be a, a factor on the national scene? Yeah, they play those what three games in in five days to start the season, and now we have this long layoff before Syracuse, and then it's kind of uh, they're playing the football schedule almost once a week uh, to start the season here. And, you know, I agree with Steve. It seems like they're just being as cautious as possible. And when you have a team like Syracuse that's informing the other team in the warmups, it's hard to knock Rutgers for wanting to take this seriously and wanting to be cautious and not overexpose themselves and overexert themselves with all these games in the lead up uh, to the conference schedule. I, I think getting to Big Ten play with the fewest disruptions gives you an advantage over your your opposition when you get to Big Ten play. Um, I, I just think, listen, you'll play Syracuse. That'll be a nice test. Um, and then, listen, 4-0 four, four oh, if you get there, 3-1, and one, whatever. You've played a tough team. Um, I think you call it a day. And you. So and you, the one thing in, Steve, in Steve's favor that I'll say is, is I'll agree with him on is that it's not going to matter for NCAA tournament resumes. You know, I don't think these non-conference games are going to count much at all because there's going to be such disparity between what teams were able to schedule. So these games are not about resume. They're about development. And that said, I would, I hear what you're saying, Steve. And if I'm going to, if I'm going to yell and scream about Bayheim and Syracuse being reckless, I should, I should probably say you're right. But what I would say to to the flip side of that is that it just would be nice if Rutgers scheduled one more game. You have this really talented, you know, once in a generation, possibly type of team. Can you just get one more test 
that'll help you down the line. It's interesting because, you know, Rutgers is doing it this way and Seton Hall is doing it the total opposite way, traveling the country, playing a million games. And this is two extremes. What's right? What's wrong? I don't know. Nobody knows. It's a pandemic type of year. What I can say is we'll find out a little bit more about this Rutgers team, you know, Tuesday night at 930. And they haven't beaten Syracuse in 17 years, by the way. Now, they haven't played in a few years, but it is a nice test. And it would be a very nice feather in Rutgers cap, I think, brand wise to win the game. And absolutely. I mean, what's our outlook for this game? Uh, you know, you have kind of the two opposites. Syracuse has been playing this whole week. And as we've said, Rutgers has had this long layoff. So is it rest and rust uh, for the Scarlet Knights? And, and what's our predictions for this game? Well, Rutgers is better than Syracuse. But, you know, Geo Baker is, has a sprained ankle. And we'll find out more about his status later today. I don't think he'll play. Or if he plays, he'll, I think he'll play He'll play sort of in a li- more limited role. Uh, you know, they, I know they want him to be 100% healthy for the Big Ten opener. And uh, his, his sprained ankle was pretty bad. So we'll see how, how much he's healed. We'll, like I said, we'll know more a little, a little bit later. But either way, you know, Rutgers is better than Syracuse. Uh, and I, I would expect them to win. I, I would expect it to be a good game. But uh, this is a game, you know, Rutgers, I mean, listen, this is the way the world is now. Rutgers basketball is legit. And they're a top 25 team. Syracuse isn't. Rutgers is home. I know there's no fans, but they're home. And you know, I would expect them to win the game. I think it'll be a decent game, but I think Rutgers will win it. Rutgers just has too much balance, uh, too much experience for the Syracuse team. I would give this game to Rutgers, too. I watched Syracuse against Ryder, and, and, and it's tough to, to really judge the Syracuse team against teams like Bryant, Niagara, and, and Ryder, the teams that they played so far. They do shoot well. They shot 15 to 30 from three uh, the other night against Ryder, but obviously without Buddy Bayheim, their, their best shooter, um, you know, certainly that's going to hurt them. I agree with you. Rutgers is the better team at this point. This is going to be the first real big test for Syracuse, and I, I just don't think that they're going to pull out the win, so I would give this to the Scarlet Lines too. Yeah, Rutgers. Definitely Rutgers, I think, should win this game. I'll be a copycat. Sure, Scarlet Knights win this game as well. Uh, so we'll see. Uh, that's obviously going on to uh, Tuesday night, uh, Rutgers and Syracuse. As for the Seton Hall Pirates, we mentioned them kind of playing the opposite schedule of Rutgers. They had three games this past week. Losses to Rhode Island and Oregon, both of those games by 13 points, I believe. And then a win against Penn State on Sunday night, a thrilling game. Uh, Seton Hall not really shying away from challenging themselves here early in the season. And then a tough schedule coming up ahead. Uh, They have Wagner, DePaul on the horizon. And of course, we'll start to get in the Big East as the season goes along. Uh, What do we think about the Pirates this past week, Jerry? So they really pushed the envelope, whereas... You know, Rutgers, I think, could have could have done a little more. You know, Rutgers probably turned down a game. They could have played. Uh, they definitely turned down some some offers to play games. Seton Hall was just taking any any offer that came from all over the country. And I think they really pushed the envelope a little bit too much. Uh, Kevin Willard kind of hinted as much in his postgame interview last night. But they did, to the credit of the team, you know, they went to Penn State. Uh, third game in five days, all on the road. They crisscrossed the country. Rhode Island. Uh, lost by double digits, then in Omaha, lost by double digits to Oregon, and then uh, back east in State College, and then they're down 19 to Penn State, and I thought they were dead in the water. I mean, they looked like an exhausted gas team, and they found the wherewithal to win. So so it, it, right now, it just seems like it was a little bit too much. Like that's Once Bryce Aiken got hurt, uh, the starting point guard, and the team coming out of a two-week COVID pause— I don't think Kevin needed to add a trip to Omaha in there against a ranked Oregon team. He was probably pushing it too much. 
with all that said, I don't think you can underestimate how much that win at Penn State could mean for this team in terms of kind of pushing them forward. I mean, they really, really needed that. And, uh, you know, to see those guys step up like they did, you know, Reynolds and 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 Mamu obviously is tremendous. And and uh, to call Molson, I thought had a good game. You know, I think I think that was really, really important for Seton Hall. So it's it, the confidence factor is interesting because this is, you know, all, the team lost all of its bravado type leadership to graduation from last year. The program did. And uh, Sandro Mamouklas, really, his one his one weakness is confidence. Right. He. He's got all the physical tools to be a, a great college player and a pro. Uh, and this game really ought to give him confidence. The way he just took over, scored 30 points, but also all the terrific assists, including, you know, the game-winning basket. The guy drives, draws a D, and then kicks it out to to uh, Shavar Reynolds, the pride of Manchester Township. And has there been a better story in my career of covering college basketball than Shavar Reynolds? No. The kid was a Division three recruit. He had zero Division one offers. Zero. They tried to beg Sacred Heart to take him. Sacred Heart would not take him. He winds up walking on a Seton Hall. He, he, he's going to drop out at the end of his freshman year because he can't afford to go to school. His father's serving with the Navy overseas. He's now since retired. Kevin Willis says, you know what? I'm gonna, I have an open scholarship. I'm going to upgrade you to scholarship. Because you can help us in practice. Not only does he help them in practice, the guy is their second best player. And he's winning <laughs> them games as their point guard. Incredible jersey story. And great stepping up in a role where, where the Pirates really need him. And I think that game last night with Penn State, that was a real character check type game where they've had the difficulties early in the season. They've had the injuries. They've had the pause. They've had the bizarre offseason. You can even go back to last year. They had the disappointment of being robbed of a, a possible national championship run. And they come into that Penn State game having lost two by double figures this week. And they rally from a deficit to win. Uh, that's the type of game that, you know, maybe they parlay into two or three more victories. It's not going to be easy, as we said, because they do have a tough schedule coming up, Jerry. Well, actually, I, I think the hardest part for them is pass because it's not going to get any harder than it did this past week playing playing three, you know, decent to very good teams on the road uh, across the country. So, you know, Wagner is, is a game they should win, and they'll be three and three heading into conference play. Now, let's talk about their Big East opener because we're talking COVID issues. Mm -hmm. DePaul had to cancel their game against Iowa State on Sunday uh, because of a COVID uh, issue within the program yesterday now. So, but again, is DePaul going into a pause? We don't know. So, you know, UConn had to cancel a game with St. John's. That's That was their opener on Friday in the Big East. UConn is going into a pause. So UConn clearly has player infections or Tier 1 multiple probably COVID positives, to go into a pause. DePaul hasn't announced they're going into a pause. It's another one of those bizarre things, like why? What is going on? So um, they're doing contact tracing. DePaul will be a nice opener for Seton Hall because they're just not very good. They're never very good. And Kevin Willard is a much better coach. There's been some rumblings that uh, St. John's and Seton Hall could wind up getting paired because suddenly their openers have been could be canceled. They could get paired in the opener, and that's a tougher opponent for Seton Hall. Uh, but still, Seton Hall is probably should be favored to win the game. But who knows? Again, this is the, this is 2020, 21. Your Big East opener is Friday. Who are you playing? We don't know, and it's Monday, so it's very hard to prepare. And that's been the case too for a lot of the mid majors in New Jersey as well. We talk about teams that haven't played yet. Uh, we mentioned it at the top, Steve Mammoth. They haven't played yet. They still haven't played. They have their conference uh, schedule coming up. 
what's the deal with there with the Hawks there? That's a difficult well, situation. Well, they they come back on the court, I believe, on Wednesday. And what they did was, uh, you know, two weeks ago, their season opener against Hofstra was canceled hours before tip-off. Well, they rescheduled Hofstra to get them a, a, a game in. They're going to play next Tuesday. Before then, they have to host St. Peter's, one of the favorites and, you know, a very good team in that league. Uh, to open that weekend. So, you know, they wanted to get on the court, you know, and Hofstra was willing to come down and keep that game. So they're going to play. But yeah, it's, it's getting tough. And, you know, like NJIT has not played yet, you know, another mid-major that, that's struggling. And that, uh, that whole league, December 12th, December 12th, but even in that league, Vermont has not played a game yet. You know, so it's it's uh, it's going to be tough, and and Mammoth is going to get a game in, and then they're going to try and get going. But my point on Mammoth is they've already had two shutdowns, two 14-day pauses since practice began on whatever it was, October 14th. What are the chances they go the rest of the season without another shutdown? I think they're pretty slim. So, you know, it, it it's going to be tough to get a season in. I think for for teams like Mammoth. And it's just going to be such a mixed bag, as we're saying. You know, you're going to have a team like Mammoth, who potentially is starting their season with no games, obviously played against a team that might have been playing four, five, six games by that point. So it's a weird comparison to have two teams on the court that have had such different seasons uh, to start. But uh, that's the nature of 2020, as we keep saying. Who knows with that one what we'll see out of Mammoth, and, and hopefully they are finally able to, to get on the court. But I agree with Steve. It's hard to imagine a season where not just Mammoth, but really all these teams around the country don't deal with something like this at some point. Maybe Mammoth's getting it over with at the beginning of the season. Maybe they'll have smooth sailing the rest of the season. Who knows? Uh, but that's just what we're going to have to deal with the entire year. Uh, as for the other uh, mid-majors around New Jersey, uh, FDU, they lose to Hofstra and Providence. They have two against Central Connecticut coming up. St. Peter's, they win over Stony Brook. They get blown out by Maryland. They have Niagara on the schedules uh, coming up as well for St. Peter's. So what's some of the outlook that we have for our mid-majors as they uh, hopefully get on the court and start playing more? Well, let's give FDU some credit. They were tied with Providence at the half. And they mm-hmm. wound up losing the game by 12 points, 11, 12 points. So, I mean, FDU, that's a nice showing they had. So they'll be fine in their league once the Northeast Conference really gets underway. But, you know, tough team, very good showing at Providence on national TV, Fox Sports 2. So nice job by then. As Steve mentioned, NJIT, long-awaited arrival in the America East Conference where they're a great fit. We'll have to wait until later this week uh, until they, they open up. Uh, and so I think they'll be a good fit there. But, you know, we'll have to see. New Hampshire on the docket for the 12th uh, at home. And another team that hasn't played. New Hampshire has three games under its belt. NJIT, no games. So another bizarre mid-major situation. Um, and, uh, you know, Ryder also with a delayed start, but they've gotten underway. You know, they got they got beat up pretty good by Syracuse, which not really much of a surprise. It's kind of a rebuilding year for them. So, yeah. And St. Peter's uh, went down to Maryland and got whacked. Maryland looked very good. And uh, for St. Peter's, the main thing is they got a game in and they got a payday, which they need. You know, normally they get $90,000 for going down there. They probably got about 20 or 25 is my guess. Uh, and still, that's better than nothing. And that money goes into is a big part of the program's budget. So good for them. Hopefully some other teams will give them a crack here. Yeah, good. I think a really good start for St. Peter's. Like as you said, they got a they got a payday. They won the games they were supposed to win, the Stony Brook game, um, and they had a 
you know, a really good showing in the opener against St. John's. So uh, that's a nice little four-game stretch, I think, to open the season for them. And we keep saying, too, just to, to emphasize it again, but so much of uh, the success of these teams will be judged by what they do in conference. And, yes, they're going to they're gonna take their losses from some of the bigger schools here in the, the non-conference schedule. Now it's when it gets interesting. Now it's when they start uh, their conference schedule. Uh, what's our outlook within our conferences? And, again, we're doing this kind of two-for-two uh, two schedule, I guess you could call it, where uh, they're playing two games in a row. Well, Rutgers is picked fifth in a 14-team Big Ten so, and they'll open up. They're supposed to open next Monday uh, at Maryland on the 14th. Uh, and Seton Hall is was picked uh, was picked fifth in the 11 team Big East by the coaches. And like I said, they open Friday allegedly against DePaul. So both those teams are upper upper half teams, mm-hmm. and uh, we'll have to see how it plays out. But I think everyone's going to be really relieved to get into conference play where everything's a lot more even as far as the way this this COVID's being handled. And the same, too, for the mid-majors, Steve. I think we went over an episode or two ago, but just go through our schedule again and and how they're handling things. Well, yeah, so so both the the Northeast Conference and the the MAC are doing schedules where you play the same opponent at the same site within 24 hours of each other in an attempt to uh, cut down on travel and hotel stays and all that stuff. Um, so we'll see how that works. Um, again, Monmouth, Monmouth and St. Peter's were picked to finish third in the Mac. You know, we will see how that goes. Um, Siena was picked to win the Mac. They have not played a game yet. So again, this is, this is, this is what you're dealing with. And, uh, you know, same in the Northeast conference, you know, you, you have Wagner has not played a game. LIU has not played a game. St. Francis Brooklyn has not played a game. So, you know, again, FDU uh, is the favorite, uh, and we'll see what happens when we get to, 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 you know, league play. But it's going to be very interesting. So many factors outside of a team's what they can handle within themselves and, and what their opponent is doing. Appreciate every game you get to watch this season because you really never know in this 2020 season what you're going to get. Uh, every game that you're able to sit down in front of the TV and take in, appreciate it because it might be a couple weeks before you see another one. So hopefully that's not the case. But again, it's all up in the air at the moment. So we will keep an eye on that. Of course, we'll be bringing you our college hoops discussion every Monday throughout the season. As we get ready to wrap up, let's just go quickly around uh, some articles that our listeners can look out for this week. So I'm previewing Rutgers Syracuse. It'll be online later today, and 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 then I'll again tomorrow, you know, Tuesday morning, uh, and then you know I have the double header. So we got uh, Seton Hall, uh, Wagner at five Tuesday, and then Rutgers Syracuse nine thirty Tuesday night. So junkies basketball junkies heaven, and then I'll be previewing Seton Hall heading into the Big East play uh, later this week, and what to look for and where they stand, where everybody stands in his topsy turvy season. Yeah, I'm going to be talking to Mammoth coach King Wright momentarily and uh, try and see what these days have been like. You know, kids basically working out individually. And now later this week, you're going to try and fit all the pieces together really quickly and try and go out and play a very good officer team, by the way. So uh, we'll see how that uh, see what he says about that. And Chris, still on a Rutgers football duty? <laughs> yeah, still football season for a few more weeks, so I got to plug that coverage. Uh, Rutgers is going to be going down to Maryland on Saturday trying to bounce back from that brutal loss to Penn State. So um, I'll be on all over that stuff, so keep watching app.com this week. Yes, we'll drag all- Chris into basketball soon enough. <laughs> <laughs> for all of our, our two-sport, multi-sport Rutgers fans out there, they can follow along with Chris for, for football and basketball here in the early season. <laughs> 
Uh, guys, thank you so much for uh, all your contributions this week. Jerry Carino, Steve Edelson, Chris Eisman. I'm Ryan Ross. Thank you for listening to Jersey Jump Shot. Be sure to subscribe, and we'll talk to you next week. Jersey Jump Shot is a production of the Asbury Park Press and USA Today Network. Subscribe at app.com.